Hello everyone and welcome back to The Geek Wave. This is the low budget show. It's the show solo. It has no budget. And we are in the final Geek Wave of 2022. On again, off again consecutively for the entire year we've done this show. And I had a blast. I, I do like doing this. It doesn't get the biggest numbers in the world, but I'm still going to keep it up because I enjoy having a larger platform to talk about these things. And this is a fun topic. So last year we did a same video where I talked about the movie theater experience in 2021. And kind of like, because we're coming out of the pandemic, I say that loosely, of course the world's still in its own, its weird fluctuation stage, but we're coming into a new world, essentially, like a new thing to explore and all that. And I was kind of like, okay, well, let's talk about like how movies have been in that time. And like, was it a good experience? Was it fun going back to the theater and all that? I really liked talking about it. So I was like, well, let's actually talk about the theater experience again. Things are back to their normal. We'll talk about the movies I saw in theaters, my experience watching them, if there's anything of note to really talk about. I want to kind of talk about like specific things that happen in theaters, the actual vibe overall. Just get into the end of the year talking about the year that was. I'll say it right away. I think this was a really good year for film. We'll talk about it next week, which will be in 2023 when we talk about my top 10 of the year. This was a very strong year for films. I think there was a lot of good stuff that came out. I think it was a very interesting year with a lot of creative content. And we're seeing a new push. And I know this is like a weird thing to say, but if this year taught me one thing, and I think this is going to be kind of like the move going forward, this year taught me we're seeing the rise of independent stories and film taking the precipice over the allotted franchise thing. Now, that's a big statement. I'm not even talking about like the biggest films of the year. Because of course, the biggest films of the year are going to be like the films that are the franchises. That's just going to happen. But I think when you look at like the public consciousness the things that have left a lasting impact on a lot of people. It is not Thor, Love and Thunder. It is not Black Panther. It's not Black Adam. It's other movies. And I think that's a really cool thing to see. Just a very, very enjoyable part of the world now. Like, that's really cool. And again, I'm going by how I think things are presented in my local cinema. There are a few choices around me. I, I did branch out a bit more this year. I wanted to try to go to different theaters get more selective in my viewing experience and there was some pretty cool stuff that I, I did see I will say I do primarily go to a cineplex I'm still mixed on the experience overall there are stuff that I'm starting to like them doing a little bit more there are certain things I'm still not impressed with that they are doing I don't know it's, it's a very interesting I understand why it's the biggest in Canada because they have pretty much streamlined an experience that is solely this. I think my problem is, and I'm going off Canadian dollars here, a standard ticket, j just a standard ticket. Then this is a whole other issue about like the world economy and everything. A standard ticket to go see a movie is $15. That's not a 3D or an IMAX or anything. That's a standard ticket. You want a popcorn and a drink 
that itself is another 20 to 25 dollars it is essentially like 40 bucks to see a movie and that is a problem so that's another one of those things where i understand how cinema has kind of like changed its perspective oh we can wait to watch this at home or we don't need to see this movie yada 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 all that kind of stuff all that said there is still nothing like the experience of going to a movie it's it's like a solely individualistic thing that you don't see in other any other medium that is kind of fun kind of positive and it's nice to see i do love film so much and i just i just like celebrating it so let's talk about movies that came out this year a lot of good ones again this is not going to be my top 10 list this is going to be like okay i saw this movie this is how it played in theaters the overall general reaction you got from it that kind of a thing so, I, I, again, I have a list of every movie I saw this year. This is not every movie I've seen this year. I've seen a bunch more movies than this. A bunch of stuff I couldn't watch in theaters, so I had to watch at home. I got around to it eventually. But we went to all these, starting with Scream. Now, I talked about Scream at the beginning of the year. It is really good. Better than I think it had any right to be. I say that very loosely, because obviously this franchise has developed its own meta-commentary. But I think this one, th this and other movies on my list here, they go to show you there is still no experience like seeing a horror film with an audience. And that's something you just don't get when you're watching it alone. And I want to talk about that when we get to another movie here. But Scream, when I saw this, I saw it in the middle of the day because my schedule is one of those things where I, I can go to see movies in the middle of the day. Wasn't busy. It was me and one other person which I love those experiences where you're not that you're the only one in the theater, but where you're just like, this is quiet. There's no noise. You can focus on this movie and we're going to walk out. Okay. I really liked scream in that situation. Would it still be good to see scream with a big audience? Maybe, but I think that was too like commercial, a property for me to really feel I needed to have that audience experience. The next one on my list is Death on the Nile, which I always forget came out this year because it feels like a years and years ago because it was delayed heavily. You forgot about it. There was all the crap with everybody involved in the cast, Army Hammer, Gal Gadot, Russell Brand. Like, we just kind of forgot about everybody involved in that movie, for better or worse, I will say. But I remember seeing this, and I had the same experience when I went to see Murder on the Orient Express, a packed house. And I'm genuinely surprised by that. And this goes to show that I think we're slowly seeing the resurgence of a forgotten genre, which is the whodunit, which is like the mystery movie. It used to be a primary thing. You get a bunch of cool people in a room, make it a good movie. It's that easy. But I think what we're primarily seeing now is people wanting to have those come back. I Again, that's one of the ones where I'm like, I cannot believe this was a packed house for this movie. Like, I know people like Agatha Christie, but I just don't understand what that what that noise is and what that feels like. I think that's very weird. And it was, again, I, I'm going to talk about this a little bit more when we get to other stuff. Very old audience. Very old audience. I did like to see that. I saw The Batman, which is a really good film. A really enjoyable piece of work. Packed House, of course, DC stuff like this to me 
and I don't want to spoil anything that's going to be on my top 10, but The Batman, I think, is the only good superhero-adjacent movie that came out this year. I really, really, really liked The Batman. It, the atmosphere it set up, the energy it distorted into the world, everything about The Batman has such a good feeling. It felt so unique, wholly original and great. And I think like seeing that movie with a packed house, it made it come to life in a way you don't get when you're in a quiet homestead, right? Because you want to have Batman feel like it's an iconic, like life-threatening character, like up on the big screen, somebody beyond itself. That is such a cool thing to see. I really liked that. That was very fun. Batman's such a good movie. And on the opposite end of the spectrum, I went to see a little movie from T. West and Maya Goth, called X. And X I saw when I was the only person in the multiplex. I saw this again, middle of the day. It was the first showing of the day. And there's no cars in the parking lot. I walked inside. Nobody was there except some of the workers. I bought a ticket to X. I went into the cinema. Just being like, the trailers look really cool. I'm very curious about this cast. I came out of that film. And I was just like, oh man, this is awesome. I love it. Again, I think this is such a strong film. And just being able to have that reaction in a quiet room on a huge screen by myself and just let that wash over me, it made it so awesome and impactful. And I'll talk more about T-West later on, but I really think X just solidified its place as a beautiful film. Perfect, poetic, strong an awesome movie. And then I walked out of X. I was high on movies. You know that ecstasy you feel when you watch something that really just moves you? You're like, okay, I gotta try to relive this and hold on to this moment for a minute. So I did a double feature, and I went to go see The Outfit. The Outfit, which is the Mark Rylance film that came out at the beginning of the year, where it's Dylan O'Brien, Zoe Deutsch, and they're all together, blah, blah, blah. I didn't like the film. Again, I... I don't think I was the only person in the audience for that one, but you could just tell nobody was really vibing with what was going on. We were all just kind of like, yeah, okay, we're watching something now. And then going on the opposite end of that spectrum too, you go to something like The Lost City, which I really like. Now, I, I want to preface this really quick. I unfortunately did not get a chance to see Ticket to Paradise. I really wish I could have. Maybe I'll talk about it in the new year. I love the idea of Clooney and Roberts leading a movie that's making $100 million and just like movies are back. And I think The Lost City, also making over $100 million, is a great example of that. Not a packed house when I went to see it, but I did go with some family. We had a great time watching it. The jokes landed. The story was interesting. It just really goes like, yeah, why can't we just have nice, clean, easy movies again? Not everything needs to be expansive and building to something or something gigantic or just like look at how poetic and strong it is look at all these metaphors were thrown at you what about Bullock and Tatum just acting off each other I feel like a lost genre we are slowly trying to get back to is the the duo of like the male and the female the potential romantic entanglements in the mix of everything again Ticket to Paradise a great example of that The Lost City a great example of that those things are slowly starting to roll in again. I really think that's a strong feature. 
I want to see those again. And it, it kind of helps that like most big movies aren't sexy anymore. So when like a big movie can gross a hundred million and has two characters who are sexy, it's kind of fun. But going away from the lost city, we enter to the uncharted waters of the world because we're on a ship headed to international waters with the body of Dr. Michael Morbius because that's right. Morbius came out this year. Can you believe that a film so heavily delayed, so memed, it almost feels like it's ancient at this point, but it came out this year and it's bad movie. And this year I stopped talking about comic book movies in general. I just have nothing to say or add to the conversation. Morbius was the one that kind of broke me where I'm like, what is the point of any of this? There was, I, I remember seeing this, it wasn't a full house, but there was a lot of people in the audience and we were all just like, okay, what's going on? Is this, is this movies? Is this what we're doing here? And then I just remember specifically the end, like post credit scenes when they happened, there was one guy in the audience who was like, this is fucking awesome. I'm like, what, what is happening right now? Who, nobody said that before in their life, but Morbius was a very bizarre experience that happened, and we're all going to have to live with that collectively, that we all let Morbius get a second release in theaters, because Sony is stupid. You know what's so great about Sony? I love them to death, by the way. Sony it, Sony just reminds me of like the, like somebody who completely misses the punchline of a joke and thinks they're being literal. They released a Morbius movie that is panned. It is it bombed, kind of. People make it into a joke. They release it again in theaters for it to bomb again. And their their lesson isn't like, maybe we shouldn't make this. Maybe we should try something else, like El Muerto or Hypno Hustler, because that's what they want. More obscure than Morbius. That'll get the that'll get it right. Bizarre, insane, unheard of, frustrating. After Morbius, I did see everything everywhere all at once. That was a really cool experience because the the ones that you have the best experience at in the cinema are the movies you know nothing about. When you go in with tempered expectations, you're like, okay, I saw a trailer for this. It's really cool. I like A24. They're a really good distributor. I'm curious what this is. Michelle Yeoh is awesome. Kiho Kwan in a leading role. That's great. And I was just like, whoa, this is so different. Now, maybe I'm just like a cynic in this way, but as I think time went on, I stopped having like that huge connection to everything everywhere. It's still a great movie. I still love it immensely. A very strong piece. I think the culture just kind of shifted to it being too good and winning all these awards that I'm like, okay, it wasn't that mind-blowing. But then I start thinking about it again. I'm like, it is that mind-blowing. It all goes back to just like sitting there in a theater. You're just kind of like getting sensory overload with all the visuals and editing tricks coming up to you. And that's kind of a really cool moment. It's just not something you're expecting. And that's really fun. And then probably, I would say in my top, th maybe top five, favorite theater moments of the year, there was Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Look, I, I haven't seen a lot of kid movies this year. I haven't seen Puss in Boots yet. I do want to go see it. But there's something so special about everyone in the audience, whether it's a young person, an older person, a young adult, completely understanding the joke we're going for. 
And I think Sonic the Hedgehog 2 perfectly encapsulates that. It's a dumb movie, but it understood what it was doing. It made sense of its ideas. They made some really good references. All the jokes landed for the audience it was aimed for. I went to see this with some family. We are all over the age of 20. And because of that, you're in a room with a bunch of children. And the children are having a ball. They're all behaving themselves because they're like, this is a genuinely exciting children film. So that's a cool thing to see that makes for really unique stories. And then the post credit when we see Shadow the Hedgehog, nobody was silent. Everyone's like, this is movies. And that's awesome. And then I saw The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Mediocre film. Nothing of note really happened there. I went to see Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Again, a pretty mediocre like film experience. The thing that really surprised me was the one guy who audibly gasped when Bruce Campbell came on screen. And I'm like, wow, I like that at least one person gets that this is a, a, a Raimi familiar. And then I think the same guy gasped when Raimi's old, it's like a 72, his, his car showed up on screen. That was fun. But the, the entire theater, except for that guy and myself, cheered beyond comprehension when John Krasinski stepped on screen. And I'm like, wow, they really screwed the pooch not booking him, didn't they? <laughs> you know? So I don't think he's going to be, I don't think he's going to be him. I don't think he's going to be Reed. It's very weird. But I don't know, like, that movie I think is just boring and uninteresting, and I have really nothing to say about it. But it's just kind of interesting that, like, they went for, like, the cameo that's going to make people smile, and it means nothing. Very bizarre. And then I saw Men. You guys remember Men? I feel like in the shuffle of all, like, the good horror movies that came out in, like, the later half of the year, this just kind of got lost in translation. Men was awesome. I really enjoyed watching this. I remember just walking out of the theater thinking about it. It was a good experience because it wasn't a busy theater. All of us were people who were like, we know what Alex Garland's about. This isn't going to be like Scream, you know? We're going to have some weird experience, and that's cool. Men was a great time. Now, you'll notice in the thumbnail, and you'll notice it's RRR, Rise, Roar, Revolt. Now, the reason I'm talking about it here is because I didn't actually see it in the theater, but I was so close to buying a ticket for it, and it's the biggest regret of my life. I cannot remember what movie I went to see instead. I think it was something I didn't like, but I just remember seeing RRI was playing. It had 100% on Rotten Tomatoes at the time, and I'm like, I want to see more of this Hollywood filmmaking. But I just said, I gotta go watch something else. I, like, I gotta go cover that for work. I didn't think anything of RRR. It's the biggest regret of my life this year. Not seeing that in theaters. Hearing everybody talk about it and being like, I missed it by a day. I could have saw this. I was so, so frustrated. But it's okay. And then big summertime, baby. We're headed into the big summer hours now because Top Gun Maverick released. Here's the thing I was saying. I guess we'll talk about it too when we talk about Elvis. Elvis was a, a month later. But here's the thing, when it came to Top Gun Maverick and it came to Elvis, I can honestly say I might have been the youngest person in the theater for both of those. I saw Top Gun with my parents and there was a bunch of people literally wearing Top Gun shirts that were over 35 and I'm like, whoa, we're hitting a demographic that doesn't normally go to see movies like this. 
That was so surprising. And when I went to see Elvis by myself, again, a packed house, I don't think there was anyone besides me under the age of 40. And I'm like, wow, that just goes to show you, one, Elvis is not a cultural touchstone anymore for the younger generation. We have somebody else like Snoop Dogg, I guess, would be the modern equivalent. I don't know. Harry Styles, I guess, would be the modern equivalent. But you know, you know what I mean? Like one of those touchstones that everybody can pinpoint. I don't think Elvis is that anymore. And two, it's good to see an older generation come out to movies. I don't really like Elvis. It wasn't a movie I enjoyed. I really did like Top Gun Maverick. But just seeing that generation supporting movies like this, that was pretty exciting. I gotta say, I did like that. And then I went to see Crimes of the Future, which is the Cronenberg film that came out this year, which is surprising. And when you really stop to think about it, I know this is a weird thing to say, like, right now. We had a lot of, like, directors making movies this year. Guillermo del Toro had one. Steven Spielberg had one. You know, it's pretty cool. And, you know, even George Miller had one this year. And Jordan Peele had one this year. It's kind of cool to see, and I think Cronenberg's right up there. A movie that I really think is interesting. Don't know if I need to rewatch it, but I did like it. Good experience, just a quiet time. There was people there, but we we're all just like, we're watching Cronenberg. Nobody who was there wasn't aware of what we were doing. You know, that's the that's another thing I like. When you have people who are like, we're all watching an Alex Garland film. We're all watching a Cronenberg film. We know what we're doing here. Jurassic World Dominion bad movie but at whatever time it might have been one there was a lot of people there it doesn't matter the minions the rise of Gru though was a great time again i saw this in the middle of the day and there was a lot of people there kids of course but it was like this is what i want i'm not going to see a minions movie expecting quiet times i want to go to a minions movie and have the theater laughing their asses off kids running up and down like this is this is a thing, I, I know I'm, I've been very, like, judgmental of this before, but let's talk about it right now. If you're going to a kid's movie and you are, well, not even a kid's movie, let's say you're going to the latest Pixar film, you're going to an animated movie of some kind, maybe even across the Spider-Verse, maybe Strange World, and you are with a group of your friends and you're over the age of 18, don't get mad if kids are acting like kids there. Like, I, I, I always say theater etiquette's important, but you cannot get that etiquette from children because they don't know. Why would they know, right? But if you are over the age of 15 and there's a bunch of you, no etiquette, okay? Like, I'm not going to yell at an eight-year-old for being distracted or, like, not wanting to sit through a movie, but if you're 15, you know better. So if you're a teenager and your group of friends are being rowdy, that's the problem. Kids aren't the problem. I, I feel like some people just get mad when people are loud. But it's like, if you're a young adult, you know better. That's all I'm saying. It's also why I don't really ask people to movies anymore. I go with family and sometimes I go with a friend if the friend suggests it or if I know it's something they want to watch, which we'll get to in a minute here. That's what I want. But the Rise of Guru experience was great. Then I went to see Thor Love and Thunder. So bored out of my mind watching that movie. And I think you could collectively feel people not really laughing, which is a really fun experience. Just whatever. Then I went to see Nope, the Jordan Peele film, which I, I love talking about. I think that was one of my favorite discussions of film I got to have this year of just people who have seen it or haven't seen it and trying to describe the sensation it brings on. Now, I'm not going to call anybody out for watching this, but I went with my family. 
I went with my older sister and I love going to movies with her for a couple of reasons. One of the main ones is we like different things, but we also like very specific things in common. We both had a ball watching the Dora movie that came out a couple years ago. Nope is so distinctly my taste and is so anti her taste that I could collect. I could just feel her not getting it or not liking it. And I'm like, this is awesome. What a great experience of seeing somebody completely missing the beat of what's happening. And that's not like an insult. I'm just like, this is so bizarre because I got it right away. I'm like, oh yeah, I can understand what this is being said. I, I love when that happens. It's such a cool experience. So that was really fun. I did enjoy seeing that. After that, I saw Beast in theaters. I talked about Beast when it came out. Still one of my favorite movies of the year. Absolutely love this film. I don't, again, I think this might be my top five theater experiences of the year. Just having no idea what I'm about to see. And then they do like one continuous take at the very beginning of the film. And then like they're being attacked by an animal. And I'm like, whoa, that is so breathtaking. That is so bizarre and beautiful. I loved that. And then the following week, we had another Idris movie, 3,000 Years of Longing, which I went to see with my brother-in-law. And I was just like, this is so much happening. I'm just blown away by it. I don't think the movie is particularly great, but it was just like a really cool experience to have. No idea what you're in store for, and then you get that movie. Not a busy theater, but a cool moment nonetheless. Then I think after that, there's just a bunch of streaming shit I saw. Went to a theater later. I went to this one because, one, I have I had a friend who started to... I started to hang out with more, I should say. And he really likes horror movies. And I suggested, why don't we go see this new film? Neither of us have seen any of the trailers for it, any of the teasers. It's called Barbarian. And if you know Barbarian, then it kind of took over this year as a big deal. And kind of solidified how brilliant this year horror has been. So we went to see this movie. It was maybe 20 other people in the audience. And you could just like tell nobody knew what was going to happen. Now, I wasn't the biggest fan of Barbarian. I might be the only person in the world to say that. But I don't think you're ever going to get that experience again. Because this movie was marketing itself as you not knowing anything going into it. And that really paid off because when it does, it's kind of like switcheroo on you. Suddenly you're like, whoa, we're doing something different. This isn't normal. That's cool. Not a film I particularly love, but that switcheroo was really cool and really different. Then a couple weeks later, I did another double feature. I had another day I could go see film. I had a great time. Like the beginning of the year, I went to see X in a theater by myself. I went to see Pearl in a theater by myself, and I loved this movie more than any other horror film. This is my one of the year for me. Pearl was brilliant. It was subtle. Just having that experience you know, with a T. West film, being alone in the audience, watching Maya deliver that monologue, I literally said, oh shit, this is awesome. So like this, this is this is like we don't do this anymore. Like have this slow a burn for this kind of payoff. Like it felt so nostalgic in that way, and I really liked that. So when I walked out of that movie too, I'm like, I still got time to kill. Don't worry, darling. So I went to see Don't Worry, Darling. I was putting it off because I dreaded all the drama for it. 
Here's the thing about Don't Worry Darling that I absolutely love about my experience watching this film. I was the only male in the audience, which is, I love that feeling when you are like the standout in like a, an auditorium or something. When it's like, oh, you're the only person under 30 watching Elvis right now. You're the only dude watching Don't Worry Darling. I love that feeling because it's so specific and so bizarre. And you just get like, there's a lot of like, there's a couple of young adults here, I should say. Some older women that were there watching it as like a group of friends, some teenagers and all that. Then I, I just remember like collectively just like clicking into what the movie was saying. I actually do, I actually really like Don't Worry Darling. I don't think it's going to win any awards or I don't think it's going to hold up that well. But I had a great time watching it. I liked just understanding what I was seeing and how everyone's reacting and listening to Harry Styles talk is really funny. He tried. He tried. I cannot deny that he tried something. He did something in that movie. Don't know what it was, but he did it. He certainly did it. Then we had Bros, which I, I want, again, I want to support this film. It was kind of like the lost city for me where I'm like, okay, this is a big deal. Universal has taken a lot more chances this year than people have realized. I want to support them on their endeavors. So we went to see Bros. I had a good time. I think it's a very fun movie. I feel the same way about Smile with Paramount, where it was like, okay, Smile, again, I went with my horror-loving friend. It was a packed house for some reason. I'm like, I cannot believe this was packed, and Barbarian wasn't, and Pearl wasn't. I, Smile is very mid-2000s to me, where it didn't, like, blow my mind, but also didn't take it away. It was just fine. And then we saw Halloween Kills. I went with the same friend. We went to see Halloween Kills, and I... I Again, I'm not the biggest fan of the Halloween franchise, aside from the first movie from the 70s. I wanted to see this one because it's, like, divisive. That's why I, I want to go to those movies where I don't know anything, and it's a divisive film. And seeing Halloween Kills, I was like, whoa, okay, yeah, you're doing a season of The Witch thing here, aren't you? You're really trying for a very specific thing, and I can see how the audience isn't going to like what you're doing. Thinking back on it now... I don't hate what that was. It just wasn't that cool, if that makes sense. I don't know if that... You, you know what I mean. Then we had Black Adam. And then we had Triangle of Sadness. <laughs> and Triangle of Sadness, that was a fun time. I went by myself. It was a full enough theater. There was a lot of people in there. And... Just, just, I just like that feeling of like, we don't know what kind of ride we're in for. And then you see that movie and where it goes. And I'm like, whoa, this is kind of intense and cool. I like that. Like, what a really specific feeling you don't get anymore. I felt the same way about Tar. Tar is a movie I think I could talk endlessly about. I, it's not my favorite of the year. I, I don't know if it's going to crack my top 10. But Tar is so creative. And I just... I want to sit down and just talk about that film with people and like try to experience it with like an audience where it's like we're opening up with the credits, like we're doing the overture with the credits and then the movie happens and then it's like the de-escalation and you're like, that is such an attempt at something. I don't know because I don't know anybody else in my personal life who has seen Tar, how they would react to that or feel about that. It's very weird. I, I definitely feel the same way about The Banshees of Anishrin, which is a movie... I love this movie really spoke to me. I very much connected to certain characters in that and certain emotions happening in that film. I really enjoyed that one. It was so entrenched, just so intrinsically connected to what I was feeling at the time when I went in there. The audience itself was quiet. 
none of us were like losing sleep or anything. We're just like, okay, we know it's coming. That's kind of cool. And then this is the one where I kind of ventured out of my comfort zone a little bit. So I went to go see Terrifier 2 with my horror friend. I have not seen the first Terrifier, but this was a movie that was making everybody freak out. I tried so long and hard to find a screening in my town. Eventually, I found one on the other side of the city. So I'm like, okay, I've got us tickets. We're going to go this day. It's a theater I've never been to before. A great time with that. So the big chain in Canada is Cineplex. I am close to two Cineplex theaters in my area. They are fine. I don't love the experience. I thought it was fine. When I went to see Terrifier 2, it was at a Landmark Cinemas. Now, I had Landmark in my hometown where I grew up. I was familiar with them in that, but I was never familiar with like a multiplex Landmark Cinemas. We only had one movie theater screen in my small town, so I just kind of became like accustomed to that feeling, but I never went to like the the multiplex version. So we went there. You could pre-order your food. The layout was really cool. The seats were awesome. They had storage units for your seats. You had blockers to block the people next to you. I was like, this is kind of cool. I'm digging this. I'm digging this. It looked great. I will say, though, not the cleanest theater I've been in, and it did feel a little understaffed, a little too, like, void of connection. But I guess that's not a bad thing either because you don't want to be too connected to the people next to you unless it's, like, your little bubble of people. So it was just, like, a weird experience of, like, this is cool having this connection. But it also feels kind of distant at the time. I will go back there, I think, because I, I definitely was impressed with the 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 pre-show whatever, where it's like you can get your popcorn, you can just grab the bag yourself, you can get your own drink, and then you can pay for it after. And I'm like, that's kind of a cool setup. I liked seeing like the pre-roll where it's like all the new stuff, and you could do like personalized messages. I'm like, that's really cool. And Terrifier 2 was a really fun movie to watch with, a, with a, a packed house that wanted to see the movie. That's another thing, too. There was nobody watching this movie that didn't want to see it. That's always a really cool experience. It's sometimes fun when there's people who clearly don't want to see what you're seeing. But when everyone's, like, invested in the same thing, that's really cool. And I guess that's kind of what Black Panther Wakanda Forever was, too. A bunch of people want to watch that movie. Now, the same horror... horror Now, the same horror friend I went to see this with, I was like, okay, dude, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio is playing. I'm going to go to it today. I know we're hanging out. Do you want to go see it? Like, I'll buy for it and everything. You want to go see that? He's like, sure, let's go. So we went to it. I had seen one. I seen like the snippet where it's like Sebastian J. Cricket, like talking like inside of Pinocchio. Like, that's the only clip I saw. He hadn't seen anything for it went into this movie I had no expectations for it whatsoever and it gave me a movie about fascism and mortality and finding your place in the world and what it means to die and what it means to live forever and I'm like holy shit that's awesome like it's one of those rare movies because I'm a very like stiff person when it comes to like just watching something I rarely move out of my spot but I was leaning forward I was leaning back I was like this is so crazy that this is happening right now that's such a weird thing to see and experience i love it i love that 
And that was how I felt about The Fablements, too, a movie I really liked to see by myself because I completely understood the story it was trying to tell and that connection. And when the first couple of minutes start rolling for The Fablements, I'm like, I'm in for a treat. It was a quiet affair where there wasn't many people in the audience, but we're still loving a movie at the same time. What more could you ask for? What more could you ask for when it comes to The Fablements? Now, here's the thing. My favorite experience watching a film this year comes from the next movie I want to talk about, which is Glass Onion. Glass Onion, a film that has just dropped on Netflix the week that this goes out. Here's why I love this so much. It opens up. The Netflix logo comes on. I hear actual people in the audience go, I didn't know this was a Netflix movie, and I didn't know Netflix did this. Just goes to show you, they really screwed the pooch only putting this in theaters for a week. A terrible idea on their part. Absolutely abysmal on their part. What a dumb choice they made. So stupid. You had an entire audience, a full house, people reacting in real time to the switcheroo that happens in that movie, to the jokes that happen in that movie, just like people physically reacting to like the gags with the hot sauce and everything. I'm like, this is awesome. Like, look at this. We're all just enjoying ourselves, smiling. We're not sure what to expect. We're all having a great time just watching this movie. Like, that's what I want to see. That it was such a, such a good experience. Oh, everything about it just like worked so well because nobody knew what we were getting. And suddenly you have an entire audience where it's like, this is the reaction you want from a movie like this, where it's kind of the death on the dial thing. You don't know the mystery. You understand what's happening. You like the characters. You like the acting. It's making you smile. Everyone's aware of the situation. People are cluing in in real time to the events we are seeing. Utterly perfect. Utterly perfect. I don't know if we're ever going to be able to capture that magic again. And it's such a shame, such a shame that that movie had to go to Netflix. Because if this had a theatrical run up until the time Avatar came out, I think it would be number one. I really do. Violent Night came out too. I really had a good time in the theater with this one. Not a busy place, but all of us were laughing just watching a mid-budget movie. Like, that's, that's again, that's what I want to see. I don't want to have to go to the theater just to see the next big franchise, blockbuster, whatever. Just give me a mid-budget Santa movie. That's cool. But you know what else is cool? The Way of Water. Because I went to see Avatar the other day. A film I utterly adore. One of my favorite films of the year. One of the best experiences I had watching a film. Because, again, I don't do, like, the HDF or the FDR or, you know, like, the high-rate definition stuff. I don't do that. Because I, I just, I get it. Unless it's a film that specifically demands I do it, I don't want to do it. But Avatar is one of those films where Cameron is going to make sure you have a fantastic time. So I'm like, uh, okay, I guess I'll do it. And I did it, and it looked gorgeous. And you're there with an audience. I was not in a packed house. It wasn't packed, but there was families there with their kids and older people and younger people, a huge variety of us just watching this movie, experiencing the brilliance of James Cameron. And at the end of the movie, this is the only time it happened to me all year where I was in a theater where the audience clapped. The only time all year where that happened, where an audience clapped, was at the end of Avatar. I think that's cool. I really like that feeling because it's like we're we're all we all know what we're doing. We all know what we're seeing. We're seeing something spectacular. 
experiencing something unseen before. That's really cool. And you know, what a great way to end this episode just talking about like how nostalgic and powerful Avatar is. But I also saw Empire of Light the next week and I was the only person in the theater and I was on my phone half the time because the movie was fucking terrible. And then I went to see The Whale and I was like, there's no way I could have a weird experience watching The Whale, right? Because every, no way someone's going to an Aronofsky film not knowing what they're getting into. But you know what happens in The Whale? There's a group of maybe like six teenage boys that show up having a good time just talking to each other. That's all fun. I don't care about that. You want to talk during the, the previews and all that? Fine by that. The second, the second the movie starts and it opens up with Fraser pleasuring himself to gay pornography four of the boys like I can't do this and walked up and left and I'm like wow I love that because I I I know because I was sitting in the same row as those kids I know the feeling of being the one friend who wants to see this film and everyone else just being like fine I'll go watch this thing with you and having no other connection aside from that I know that I have a lot of friends that love movies and I'm I'm, I'm love them for it it's awesome but I'm the cinephile you know, and I know a lot of people who would be listening or a lot of people in the real world who are cinephiles understand the feeling of like, you want to go see The Whale. Darren Aronofsky's The Whale, a quiet, somber picture. Your friends want to go see a movie. You go to the movie. It opens up like that. And you're like, I understand exactly the tone we're trying to set up here, exactly the frantic energy we're trying to set up for this scene. But a general audience member can't connect to it. I get that. I get that completely. I just think it's amazing how films work, you know? And to all of us cinephiles out there, stop asking your friends to see movies. Take no shame in seeing a movie by yourself. That is fine. That is allowed. You don't need to go with a group. Because chances are, if only one of you wants to see the movie, you're going to have a better time experiencing that by yourself unless you're going to Avatar. You know, you're not going to get the boys together to see the whale or Empire of Light, you know, but those are all the movies I saw this year. At the time of this recording, I am going to go see Babylon. I am going to go see Puss in Boots, but I'll just say now I'm probably going to have a better time watching Babylon. I don't think I'm going to love the movie, but just could be a fun time to see what that's going to be. You know, very exciting. But that was my 2022 movie theater experience. To kind of sum up everything I'm feeling, it's really cool that new demographics, or old demographics, I should say, are coming back to see movies. It's really exciting when the most talked about pieces are not the franchise blockbusters. I'm, I'm including Avatar as not really a franchise. But when people are talking about, like, nope, and they're talking about X and Pearl and Don't Worry Darling and Violent Night and those are like the big things people are talking about it's very exciting it's cool to see people react to Avatar like that made me really happy that that connected with people same with the Batman on like a certain level I'm glad like a DC movie tried something creative and went for a sweep and I'm really excited that Morbius lost because it shouldn't have won it deserved to fail I'm glad it failed we can all move on of our lives very cool but how was your 2022 movie theater experience? Did you have fun? Did it work for you? What went wrong? What went right? Was it just a whole bunch of shit? Did you even go to the theater this year? Did you just stay home to go see Knives Out 2? Um, Glass Onion, I guess I should say. Or even Pinocchio? Or did you want to go to the cinema to see that? Because, hey, they both look great on the big screen. 
So Netflix, why not just put them there for a couple more weeks? So that, my friends, is going to do it for this episode of The Geek Wave, the last one of 2022. Be sure to like and subscribe to the channel. And if you're listening to this on the podcast feed, please give us a rating over there. As always, you can check me out on Instagram, TikTok, and Hive, and I will catch you in the next one. Have fun, stay safe, good luck.